Welcome to an Arkansas AgCast Deep Dive, where we take a closer look at news that impacts you. The Arkansas AgCast is brought to you by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Welcome to the latest episode of the AgCast Deep Dive series. We developed this series as a way to break away from the Ag News headlines and take a closer look at a topic that matters to our members. As always, this show is brought to you by the Arkansas Farm Bureau. I'm, t- I'm the host of today's episode, John McMinn, and I'm glad to welcome the newly appointed director of the Cooperative Extension Service, Dr. John Anderson, to the show. John, welcome. Thanks, John. It's good to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to come uh, participate in your podcast. Yeah, yeah, we're excited to have you, too. Uh, you know, I've been looking forward to this one quite a bit since I heard the announcement. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I've been, uh, uh, I'm excited uh, for the new position and uh, always uh, appreciate the opportunity to interact with Farm Bureau and talk to Farm Bureau members. Absolutely. Well, let's just start off with, you know, tell us about yourself, Dr. Anderson, and tell our members kind of what your new title is, responsibilities, and some of your experience. Okay. So uh, starting in January, I'll be the Senior Associate Vice President in the University of Arkansas Division of Agriculture. and director of cooperative extension mm-hmm. service for the state. So yeah. my responsibility there is really to provide uh, administrative leadership and uh, strategic planning and direction for uh, Arkansas cooperative extension. And extension is uh, uh, a fairly broad organization, right? We've yeah. got uh, youth programs through 4-H. We've got uh, family and consumer science mm-hmm. programs mm-hmm. Uh, all over the state. Uh, of course, we have ag programs, uh, which is kind of what my background yeah. is in. I was a extension uh, uh, economics, ag economics specialist oh, yeah. for many, many years. Uh, and we've got uh, community economic development mm-hmm. uh, and leadership development programs through extension. So uh, footprint that covers the entire state. We have offices in all 75 counties, uh, programs in all of those areas I just mentioned yeah. in all of those counties. And uh Importantly, we are the connection for the state with the resources of the University of Arkansas system. So yeah. uh, that, uh, in a nutshell, is what I'll be working on. Yeah, one thing you brought up I think is pretty cool, and a lot of states don't have this, is you said we've got offices in every county. Yes. And I thought, I've always thought as, as a, a previous extension employee that that was a, a, an asset that uh, more people you know, shouldn't take for granted. It is. And, uh, you know, every state struggles with this. And, and this is, you know, a big part of, of, of what we will deal with in Arkansas is how mm-hmm. do you maintain that network? It is, uh, it is uh, uh, a system that's been in place a long time, and it's a system that's worked very, very well. I mean, uh, that allows us kind of unparalleled uh, access to stakeholders, mm-hmm. uh, both to deliver programs to them which is what I think most people associate with extension, right? Yeah. We're, we're developing non-resident instruction programs across a broad set of areas and taking those out into the state. Yeah, yeah. The other thing, though, that I think that I very much appreciate and put a high priority on that I think people outside the system maybe don't as much appreciate is that's also the mechanism by which the needs and the problems and the issues of our stakeholders can come back to the university. Absolutely. So we think of extension a lot of times is okay, what can we do to impact, uh, impact the communities and mm-hmm. the, the businesses and the stakeholders in the state. We also want to think about how do, how does that stakeholder perspective impact the university? Oh yeah. How does that affect the agenda that we have at the university, the research programs that we develop, the kind of grants that we go try to get to bring additional resources yeah. to the state? So that part of it is very important to me. It's not just about us reaching into the communities. It's about those communities having a way to reach back to the university and influence what we're yeah, doing. addressing the needs of the community. That's exactly right. Uh, well, just kind of moving on, 
Uh, you have an extensive resume, uh, needless to say, needless to say, from growing up, growing up on the farm mm-hmm. right here in the state of Arkansas and working in D.C. and beyond. So yeah. give our listeners a little bit about your background. Where would you come from? How would you get to where you are today okay. here, here yeah. on the deep dive? Yeah, you know, I kind of I almost hate talking about my resume because it uh, sounds like I can't hold down a job when I, <laughs> <laughs> when I start going through it. I promise I you that's you, not the case. Yeah. I, I am from Arkansas. Uh, I grew up in Timbo, uh, Arkansas, which is a small community in Stone County. If you don't know where Timbo is, it's uh, – it's close to Fox. <laughs> and if you don't know where Fox is, it's uh, it's around Mountain View, okay? Uh, north Central Arkansas. Yeah. I, I joke uh, with people that I grew up on a standard issue Ozarks farm. We had 80 cows and two chicken houses, and, and that's really about the truth. I mean, in that era, back in the 70s yeah. and 80s, we, we had cattle and we had chicken houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a lot of custom hay work. Uh, uh, you know, my dad was a... a he was a very hardworking guy, and uh, and he was a hustler. And so mm-hmm. we did a lot. And just about everything we did had a connection to agriculture. Uh, we did custom hay. We did Bermuda grass sprigging. We had a small fertilizer business okay. uh, where we spread commercial fertilizer and lime. Yeah. Uh, which, it, it, driving a fertilizer and lime truck in the Ozark Hills was a hair-raising experience <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> this so. is where all my hair went was uh, uh, falling out as I was uh, fearful of turning the truck over about oh, yeah. every 30 yeah, minutes. Yeah. Uh, but grew up in agriculture mm-hmm. uh, in Arkansas. Loved the state, love agriculture. Uh, was in school at Arkansas State and uh, met a young lady that I really, really liked a lot, and mm-hmm. we ended up getting married. Her family uh, farms in Lone Oak County, yeah, so yeah. Uh, a fairly diversified, large diversified row crop operation from Lone Oak County. Yeah. So for the last 30 years of being part of that family, I've seen uh, you know the East Arkansas row crop side of the ag business yeah, and, uh, yeah. and have grown to have a great love and appreciation for that. Yeah. And so that's my personal background, very much connected to Arkansas agriculture. Mm-hmm. Um, professionally, uh, I started my career in banking, actually. My first uh, job out of college was as a loan officer at the First National Bank of Izzard County in Calico Rock, Arkansas. Okay, wow. And, uh, you know, after about my seventh uh, repossession, I, <laughs> <laughs> I decided that uh, community banking was not my a long-term future. A little emotional, mental strain. <laughs> it was a lot a of strain. Bit. Yeah, A lot of strain, yeah. I, I, I worked there two years. I have about ten years' worth of repo stories. Uh, mm. So, uh, anyway, it was a great community and a great place to be, but uh, I decided that community banking was not what I wanted to do. Yeah. Forever, yeah. and uh, my wife and I remember distinctly as you know, mid twenties, early twenties at that time, having a very uh, one of those deep conversations with my wife mm-hmm. about okay, what are we going to do? Because I'm yeah. not going to stay here and do this forever. Yeah, and we decided if we were going to make a move, we would make a big move, mm-hmm. and so I would go back and get my PhD, okay. and so I went to Oklahoma State and uh, got my PhD, and uh, really that was the first time I kind of understood what I could do with an academic career and how I could connect that back to my interest in agriculture yeah. and ag production. And that was through extension. And was so, that something you always wanted to do as academia or just kind of, you know, uh, I, I did actually, uh, I was at, at Arkansas state and, uh, working on a master's yeah. degree with, uh, Bert Greenwald. Oh, a lot Green, of your yeah, listeners will yeah, know yeah. and everybody knows Bert, right? Everybody knows. And Bert had a huge influence on me, Bert Greenwald and Lou Brinkley, another mm-hmm. professor there. And they both really encouraged me uh, to think about going on for a PhD, okay. but 
uh, you know, when my wife and I decided we would get married, it just seemed impractical oh, yeah. to go get a PhD. You got to go to work, right? Yeah. You get married, you go to work. And yeah. so I went to work. How are you going to pay for that? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, but after, again, after a couple of years, you know what? We could do it. You mm -hmm. know, we kind of knew what we were doing then. Yeah. And, uh, we decided that we would do it. But, yeah, it was something that uh, Bert and uh, and Lou both uh, really kind of planted that seed yeah. when I was at Arkansas State. And uh, I didn't really have much sense of what an academic career would look like yeah. until I got to Oklahoma State and began to see how extension worked. And mm -hmm. that was this, this idea of being an extension specialist, yeah. the, the person at the university who would connect to ag stakeholders. That had great appeal to me and uh, fairly quickly started working that direction in my career. So your first experience with extension was kind of at that Oklahoma. At it really Oklahoma was. Yeah. I mean, we had some. I had some experience with extension growing up. You know, mm -hmm. we knew our good friends with our county agent, and yeah. we did some some farm demonstration stuff uh, on our place. We did. I remember doing some Bermuda grass variety trial work, okay. uh, yeah. demonstration kind of stuff on our farm, and so. I was familiar with extension, but not what the really very little understanding of how it connected back to the mm -hmm. university and yeah. what that academic component of of extension looked like. Yeah. And so that really appealed to me when I was kind of got into a place where I could see all those things fit together. It was very exciting. Yeah. And it was I could see my life uh, go in that direction. Mm -hmm. It made a lot of sense. Yeah. And it was a good fit. And so I started looking at uh, extension jobs when I was finishing my PhD and ended up with a job at the University of Kentucky. Okay. I was an extension specialist there, a, a livestock management specialist. And great job, great department, really enjoyed it. I was there for three years and uh, uh, learned a, a lot. And yeah. uh, Kentucky had a really good and still has a really good extension system. Um, but after three years, I got a call from Mississippi State University. Oh. They had... Uh, quite a bit of turnover in their department just generationally people retire mm -hmm. and say hey we need we, we're, we're trying to rehire some young people to come down and kind of kick start our extension program and it's yeah. a great opportunity to go at a really pretty early career stage and have a, an impact on a program and yeah. so i kind of jumped at that opportunity and went to mississippi state and uh, was there for 10 years really that's where i went through the faculty ranks uh in extension there yeah and uh a great experience. Again, still got a lot of friends at Mississippi State. Uh, their vice president, uh, uh, vice president of their division of ag, a guy named Keith Coble, okay, was yeah. a colleague of mine in the department, a really good friend, and uh, learned a lot. And yeah. uh, while I was at Mississippi State, I really started doing – so the way things work in academia – Ideally, you get more and more specialized and mm -hmm. develop deeper and deeper expertise in a narrower and narrower field. Yes. I kind of went the opposite way <laughs> in my academic career. Uh, you know, at Mississippi State, very diverse, a lot like Arkansas. Yeah. Right? The, pretty much the same agriculture mm -hmm. we have uh, in Arkansas. So uh, several significant row crops, fairly diverse livestock yeah. sector, a big timber sector. Yes. Uh, we had... Very limited resources in extension in agricultural mm -hmm. economics at that time. And there was a time there when I was really the only extension ag economist mm -hmm. who was who was who was who was working. Good colleagues in research and teaching, and they helped me a lot. But I was kind of the point person for a lot of things in extension, and so I started doing a little bit of everything. Yeah, I did uh, uh, commodity market situation and outlook for all of our major crops and for livestock and for poultry. I did some catfish stuff when I was there. There's some aquaculture. I did aquaculture, yeah. actually. Uh, worked a lot with Arkansas, uh, the Southern Risk Management Center that you were part yeah. of. They yeah. did the big trade adjustment assistance project oh, on yeah. catfish. Yeah. I, so I was 
I, w- I led that program or helped helped with that program in Mississippi State. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I did aquaculture. I well, did. Uh, how do you keep up with all that? Well, it uh, you have a lot of people who help you, right? Yeah. I was really good at, 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 at uh, bugging my colleagues, mm-hmm. actually, to help me with things, which yeah. is kind of how extension is supposed to work in a lot of ways. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. here are the problems. I could walk the halls in my department and know who could contribute something to to solving a problem or developing a program to get information out, and we would work together and do it. Of course. And so it really worked well. But yeah. I got pretty broad in my uh, coverage. We had a farm bill. had a couple of farm bills during the time that I yeah. was there, and I led the farm bill extension efforts. That was really my first exposure to ag policy. Uh, mm-hmm. Did a lot of crop insurance work. Yeah. So I got pretty broad, and uh, that actually – uh, it worked well. It was it was valued, I think, by uh, the department there at Mississippi State. But it was really valuable outside the university. Yeah. And so I got a call from American Farm Bureau one day saying, oh, "Hey, yeah. we need an economist. We need an economist who can cover quite a few bases with us. We need somebody with some real livestock experience. Mm-hmm. Would you come do that?" Yeah. And I was at the, you know you know I was fully promoted as a professor, so I was kind of at that stage in my career where, you know, I'd I'd, I'd kind of been promoted as far as I could in the next four or five years were going to be relatively yeah. static anyway. And so it was a good opportunity to go try something else. And yeah. so I went to Washington, D.C. as deputy chief economist with American Farm Bureau. And I did that for six and a half years. Oh, wow. So what what were you, that kind of leads me to my next question. What was your kind of focus? What were y'all working on at AFBF back then? So I started actually mostly doing livestock and, uh, a lot of that, it was very much like working for Extension. I mean, obviously, Farm Bureau is a, a grassroots organization, yep. and uh, the the economics team at uh, at American Farm Bureau did a lot of basically stakeholder engagement mm-hmm. with our membership and, and with our individual state federations. Yep. And so a lot of what I did was respond to what their information needs were. Mm-hmm. I was the point person on anything livestock-related, uh, big issues. We were just kind of coming out of the uh, – the uh, the ethanol boom oh, where yeah. there had been kind of a lot of yeah. friction between uh, the grain and the livestock guys and so a lot of what we were doing then uh, the real fights were over by the time I got there in 2010 mm-hmm. uh, but there was still uh, I think some uh, uh, some work helping the livestock guys adjust to uh, the the feed market situation that they yep. were dealing with so a lot of situation and outlook stuff a lot of risk management uh, conversations around that. Uh, the gypsa rule, uh, which I think was part of the 2008 farm bill that was in the implementation phase when I got to farm bureau, okay. uh, you know, there's, there's been, I think literally a book written on the gypsa rule saga. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't know what I'm talking about as you're listening to this, uh, it's still an unresolved issue, yeah, frankly. Yeah, it so still comes up. I don't know how many times we wrote and reviewed comments about the gypsa rule, yeah. uh, uh, high frequency trading uh, and uh, market convergence in futures markets was a big topic oh, yeah. for us. And it really started in the wheat market where mm-hmm. wheat basis was just disastrous for short hedgers, which yep. meant producers. Yep. And uh, trying to understand what kind of settlement procedures are being used at the exchanges and why are we not getting the kind of convergence that we should get so that those futures contracts work as an effective risk management instrument for producers yeah. that started with wheat, but really ran across several other commodities. And then again, that kind of bled into things like fund trading and high frequency trading. So we worked on some of those yeah. kind of issues. And then of course, farm bills, we had a couple mm-hmm. of farm bills while I was at farm bureau, uh, not major. Uh, well, uh, the, the big change in those farm bills that we went from a direct payment world to, uh, 
you know, an ARC PLC world. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that was mm. a big change. The loss of direct payments was a huge uh point of pain for a lot of producers and, yep. and really affected rice and peanuts probably more than any other producers yep. uh, because of how those payments were set up. And so transitioning out of that and figuring out, okay, what can our producers live with uh, in in terms of safety net support if we're going to lose direct yeah. payments. And those were tough conversations to have. And the, I bet so. uh, there were a lot of moving parts to, to, to that process of replacing direct payments mm-hmm. with something else. And so those were particularly that uh uh that would have been the 2014 farm bill i guess that was uh okay. that was a really challenging process to go through yeah so from afbf you went to the college of those arts from there so i left uh, afbf at uh, in the middle of 2016 and and honestly uh afbf was a great experience yeah. uh loved the work uh, you had a young family in D.C., didn't you? We we had a family in D.C. My wife and I have four kids, yeah. four boys. and uh, I've only got one. Our, uh, <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> no, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> you just can't take it too seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. <laughs> uh, loved the work, really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, learned so much from that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but... When my kids started getting out of high school, I didn't want to be in the D.C. area. Yeah. Right? We, you know, your kids get out of school, they start putting down roots where they are. And, yeah. and we really wanted that to be home, yeah. uh, back home yeah. for us. And so uh, when uh, when our oldest was was kind of looking at the, the end of the road for high school, we got pretty serious mm-hmm. about finding somewhere else outside yeah. of D.C. to get, get us back home. I'm an alum of College of the Ozarks, a okay. small yeah. uh Christian liberal arts school in Southern Missouri, just across the, the, the state line yeah. from Boone County there on highway 65. Um, I, I grew up as one of five kids, four of us went to school there. So oh, I'm very wow. familiar with the school. And so I had the opportunity to go back, uh, as, uh, uh, chair of the division of business applied and technical sciences. Basically that meant I was a department head for four or five departments, agriculture being one okay. business being another. Those are two of the bigger programs at that college yeah. and then three or four smaller departments. And I was also the general farm manager. Okay. Wow. So yeah, yeah that so, was yeah. an interesting experience. So that's uh, that's where you ran into young Jake Cartwright, huh? Young Jake Cartwright. <laughs> Actually, Jake Cartwright was one of the, he started uh, the first fall. I went to work at College of the Ozarks in the summer of 16. He started that fall. Okay. So yeah, Jake uh, and Jake I was was a kid who you just knew immediately was going to be a really good student and do very well. Yeah, and uh, just uh, you know, kind of a a uh, raw young kid from Boone County who had a lot of upside, uh, <laughs> yeah. and we love to see that. Yeah, yeah, we're, well, we're happy to have him here. I know. Yeah, that. he's done great, and he's done great. Uh, Shaylee Wallace Barber yep. is on the communications team here mm-hmm. at Arkansas Farm Bureau. Yep, she's here. She was a sophomore when I got there. Okay. She was one of the first students I met actually when yeah. I started at College of the Ozarks. Well, and she's done cool. a tremendous job as well. Well, I mean, it sounds like you're you're supplying Farm Bureau with students. So. <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, that was an unusually good group. Yeah. I will say they had a they had a really good group of students when we got there, and uh, you know, a big part of what I wanted to do and why I wanted to go back there was. Uh, uh, again, having been through that program, it's a good program. It was a program that I think had gotten a little bit out of date in mm-hmm. terms of curriculum, and uh, we were able to really completely revamp the ag curriculum while I was there and yeah. uh, expand our major offerings in agriculture and uh, put some additional depth in that program uh, really across all of our subject matter areas. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that was a pretty heavy lift. It was it – was, uh, at a school like that where resources are really limited, yeah. those were hard changes to make, but we got those done 
And I think the program benefited really uh, a lot from that. Well, talking to you and Jake a lot about the farm on that that campus is yeah. extensive, you know, and uh, you've got your own dairy processing and meat yep. processing facilities there. So we ha- the, the school, College of the Ozarks, has a dairy. We milked about 60 cows, yeah. which doesn't sound like a lot. It's shocking how much money you can spend on 60 cows <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in a dairy. We did our own processing. Mm-hmm. We sold some milk to DFA, but we also did uh, – we, we – it was another thing that I did while I was there is we, we really had to find a way to use more of our own milk just yeah. for economic reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we could not make money on what we sold yeah. just through commodity channels, not with that size of dairy. And yeah. so the more milk we could keep at home, the better we did. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we expanded our processing operations. We actually uh, got some really generous support from some donors uh, to buy the equipment to do uh, – uh, flavored milk processing oh, wow. while I was there. So we started making flavored milks, and that really boosted our demand. Chocolate, strawberry. Yeah, we won't talk about the uh, health effects on students, <laughs> but it was uh, it certainly improved our offtake when we started offering flavored milks. Uh, and so that was uh, – that was a that was a pretty big change for yeah. us. Uh, we had a beef cow operation, uh, a, a hog operation, pasture pork. Really, we we uh, uh, very interesting kind of hog operation. I mean. Uh, outside production is kind of unusual now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but we really we could raise 400 market hogs on a a footprint of land there in the southern missouri ozarks that you really couldn't do anything else with agriculturally yeah. and so it's a great way to kind of add value absolutely to a resource is really pretty marginal for any other kind of production we had a, a very small but a but a really efficient uh federally inspected processing plant mm-hmm. there so Occasionally, we would process cattle. Mostly, we processed hogs. Yeah. And those hogs either were sold to the campus community or they went through a restaurant uh, on campus. So there's a white tablecloth restaurant on campus. Oh, wow. A lot of our pork went through the restaurant, That's which neat. was nice. So it was a nice kind of farm-to-table yeah. uh, example right there. And, and it really attracted a lot of a lot of interest from the community. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, some of our dairy products also went through uh, went through the restaurant as well. So yeah, that that might have been you know when we met when with the SRMEC when you were on the council and I was yeah uh, I don't remember what the title Ron gave me for that communications director maybe <laughs> there you but, go uh, you know that kind of piqued my interest in local foods yeah and the table or farm to table plate to gate kind of aspect and I always thought that operation on the farm and what you were managing there was just the coolest idea you yeah. know and that kind of uh, Working with that story and working with Ron kind of just lit a fire in me. Oh, that's good to hear. You know, so uh, and it, it was uh, that was a neat experience, and that uh, uh, and I learned a lot from that. That's a challenging thing to do. Now, for us, it was more of an educational lab than it was anything else. Yeah. I mean, we had the luxury of really not having to make a living at it. Yeah, we were really trying to expose students to good agricultural practices and also show them an integrated supply chain yeah because we had kids in ag production we had kids in business we had kids in a lot of different disciplines and there were just a lot of learning opportunities hands-on very hands-on uh yeah sometimes (laughs) too hands-on sometimes (laughs) Uh, one of my biggest challenges as a general farm manager is that about every 45 seconds somebody broke a piece of equipment on the farm it was unbelievable (laughs) uh you talk about uh, being able to break a crowbar in a sandbox they could do it well you Uh, got a bunch of kids that's exactly right a bunch of a bunch of 18 and 19 year old guys yeah on equipment a lot of energy (laughs) a lot of energy a lot of energy and not a lot of sense uh but they learned a lot yeah Uh, that was again that was the point uh 
that hands-on learning was really good. So I did that for four years. And, yeah. uh, but I really always uh, had wanted to get back to a land grant mm-hmm. and get back into that land grant environment. Yeah. And it's kind of where I cut my teeth professionally, what I really loved doing. Yeah. And, and really, I, I believe in that land grant mission. I mean, it is an effective uh, it is effective, an effective organization for solving problems, yeah. for really good practical work. And mm-hmm. so when the department head position at Arkansas came open, I jumped at it. Yeah. And I was fortunate enough to get it and uh, started there in 2020. Well, we've uh, we've really appreciated the work you've done there in the in the department. I think we've worked really close since you've yep. been in that role. And in the in the people that you you hired, uh, I could sit here and name them all off, but I know I'd miss one or two. But <laughs> it uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun, you know, yep. and having that that new blood there and the the knowledge that those individuals have and the the energy they they bring too with it is yep. uh, something that I really enjoy being a part of. Well, I've told a lot of people, and I mean it sincerely, the last four years uh, at the University of Arkansas have been the highlight of my professional life. Yeah. It has been extremely rewarding, and uh, the institution and the administration in agriculture there has supported me tremendously mm-hmm. in the Department of Ag Economics. I think we were able to kind of convince them of, uh, of a vision for what that department could do yeah. and the impact it could make. and. We were able to get out and find and recruit the right kind of people. Yeah. Uh, you know, we need people. Uh, you know, we're not a big department. Agricultural yeah. economics, ag economics and agribusiness at U of A is not a big department. Mm-hmm. We've got roughly 20 faculty. Uh, you compare that to, you know, a Purdue yeah. or an Iowa State or a Texas A&M, that, you know, they're two or three times our size. You know, we've got to have people who understand the mission, yeah. who understand the stakeholder a responsibility that we have absolutely and we those, those resources that we have we're going to direct those on problems mm-hmm. that matter for this state yeah and we've got people who really understand that and love doing that yeah. stakeholder that applied stakeholder focused work and they've done great i mean the young faculty i've got i would stack them up against any ag econ faculty in the country they've i would agree tremendous I, I, I might be a little biased given that i'm an <laughs> alumni and also worked for the program for a little bit yeah uh, and still working with them so uh yeah you you've done a really great job but now I'm going to get to the tough questions, okay. Dr. Anderson. What is your vision for extension, and what do you ha- hope to accomplish going forward, let's say, the next five, ten years? Where do, you, where do you see yourself for extension just in general? Yeah, so my vision for extension ties back to really what we were just talking about with the department. You know, when I got the de- to the Department of Ag Economics at U of A, what I really wanted to do was, was, was see – those land grant functions really tightened up in terms of their mm-hmm. integration so that the research and the teaching uh, and the extension all tie together. Yeah. Co- focused on that common mission, you know, uh, different aspects. We always use the analogy of the stool, right? You got mm-hmm. the three legged stool and extension, your resident instruction or teaching and your research yeah. and your, and your extension or your outreach. Those are the, the three, the three different aspects of the land grant mission. Those have to work together. Yeah. Those have to be integrated uh, extension as we were talking about earlier, the the information that Extension brings back into that university has got to inform the research program. It's got to inform the, the curriculum yes. in, the, in the education program. The research that's being done has got to go back to Extension and go out into the communities, to the, into the hands of the people who can use it and yep. put it in place. So there's really got to be tight integration between all of those functions. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and we do have, I would say, for... for uh, for reasons that do make sense historically, we've been a little more siloed in Arkansas, I think, across our land-grant missions than some other institutions. Yeah. And uh, 
we've got a great opportunity to kind of break some of those those mm-hmm. barriers down and, and and really have a tighter integration among functions. And yeah. so we're starting to see that. I think we've we've been seeing that for several years. And now we've got a, the chance to kind of pull that across the finish line, I think, yeah. and have that really, uh, you know, Swiss watch kind of machine working in terms oh, yeah. of our land-grant mission across those mission areas. And so that's really the heart of my vision is that close integration of all of the functions of the university for the benefit of the stakeholders of this state. Absolutely. Because they're the people that support us. And we I will tell you, we never forget that. Yeah. And, I, and I hope the people listening to this really understand that. I mean, we know where our support comes from. Mm-hmm. We work for the taxpayers of the state of Arkansas, and we want them to get value out of what they're giving us. Of course. Us. Yeah. And so we will do that when we're when we're really doing our job well as a land grant across all of those mission areas, there'll be a lot of value created for yeah. our taxpayers, for, for the, the people state. who are paying our checks. Yeah. And that's what we want to do. And I want extension to be a part of that. And like I said, for me, uh, the biggest part of that is that role of extension, bringing information back from the stakeholders to influence what's going on on the university campus. Yeah. That's a big deal. And and we're seeing that happen. I, we've seen that happen in my department over and over and over again. Yeah. And uh, that's that's going to be a big part of what we do in Extension. So do you think your experience as department head will help bridge that gap between campus? Oh, absolutely. You know, it, given it is physical, right? We're here in Little Rock, yeah. in the Extension office, and but campus being in Fayetteville. And that was kind of something that was talked about when I was with Extension. Yeah. But did you feel that kind of shift as – you know, working as department head, and you feel that to continue in your new role? That Yes, I think we did see some shift in that. I mean, some of that, honestly, some of this is just that we're getting better at working across distance, and part mm-hmm. of that's a function of technology. Oh, I mean, yeah. everybody does this now, yeah. right? This is not just a University of Arkansas thing. This is every company in the world has gotten better at mitigating physical separation with technology. Absolutely. And things have become more seamless across space and time. And we're all getting better at that. Yeah. And the University of Arkansas is getting better at mm-hmm. that. And uh, we're, we're uh, I think, again, we've, we've got people who really buy into the, the integrated mission of the land-grant university. Yeah. And uh, we'll make the effort to overcome the separation. Uh, it, looks, it, it should be a great asset yeah. for the University of Arkansas that we've got such a strong extension presence mm-hmm. in the middle of the state. Oh, yeah, you know, right here in the center. Centrally the located. Uh, close to all the agencies and and, and government, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in an ideal position actually to be that stakeholder connection for the university. Yeah. And the fact that it's there's some physical separation from the university is something we can manage. Oh yeah. yeah so I agree. We want that to be not a liability that everybody points at and says, yeah, you know, extension and the university are separate. That's that's a problem. No, we're physically in different locations for for very good reasons. Yes. And we manage that separation to still be really effective in our integration. Yeah. And uh, and we can do that. We certainly can do that. Well, you know, moving on, what are some of the issues farmers are facing today in Arkansas that you believe Extension can help address or support? So, you know, I'd say a couple of things. I can give you a few ideas uh, because, I mean, there are always issues. Uh but keep in mind that what I really look forward to is the farmers telling me what mm-hmm. their issues are yeah. and uh, and how we can help them address those. Um, you know, I do think we're going to be challenged in terms of, uh, of of profitability over the next couple of years. Uh, I just got done uh, sitting through a market uh, situation and outlook presentation this morning, and uh, 
it was a little uh <laughs> I wouldn't say it was depressing, but it wasn't exactly. Yeah, I've been in a few of those lately. You know, it's uh, it's a tough outlook right now. Yeah. Right. We're going to have some hard decisions to make about what to plant. How do we economize in an environment where it's really tough to economize on costs? Yeah. Where can we where can we do a better job managing costs with minimal impact on our production? Yeah. I and mean, that's the decision that economists have to, to confront all the time. Uh, that's going to be a big deal in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the ag policy front, obviously, we've got uh, a lot of uncertainty. Uh, we're kind of, you know, we're 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 still under a farm bill, obviously, but we're kind of in overtime on the farm bill, and probably will be for a while. Yeah, but they what, say what hopefully March. Next? You know, but yeah, March of an election year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we were, hey, it can happen. Yeah, well, we were at John Deere. We say, well, when's this new piece of equipment coming out? April. <laughs> All right, April. All right, it's just April. April, yeah. some April, some April in the next two or three years. I yeah. think that's kind of how I feel about the farm bill. Some yeah. March of the next two or three years, we'll yeah. have a farm bill. Yeah. In the meantime, you know what? What does that farm bill need to look like? Yeah. You know what? What kind of safety net is going to be meaningful mm-hmm. to farmers? You know, we've got uh, we've got ARC and PLC. Uh, we've got conservation programs that are very important to a lot of people in our state. How do we? How you know? Again. In extension, we're not into advocacy. We'll leave that to Farm Bureau. Yeah. From our standpoint is what questions need answered so that you can decide Absolutely. what you want to pursue as a policy yeah. priority. What are the unknowns that need to be answered so that you'll have a sense of, mm-hmm. of what makes sense for our stakeholders? That's the role that the university can play. Let's, yeah. let's fill in the blanks so that stakeholders can decide. Stakeholders don't need us to, to, to tell them uh, what, what's their best policy for yeah. them. What they need is for us to answer questions so that they can make those decisions with Help good information, it. good objective yep. information. And we can provide that on the policy front. Crop insurance is a big topic in Arkansas. Crop insurance has been undersubscribed in Arkansas for a long time. Yes. My entire career, what I have heard from people in Arkansas is crop insurance doesn't work for us. Yes. How do we make crop insurance work? If it works for everybody else, it ought to work for us. Yes. If the program needs to change, let's figure out how. Those are researchable questions, and again, that's what the land grant is for. Let's bring those problems to us. Tell us why it doesn't work. Yeah. What doesn't work? What are your uncertainties about it? And let's do some research to see if we can make it better. Either is there an, is there an educational need where we need to understand it better so we can use it more effectively, or are there problems with the program mm-hmm. that need to be addressed? Maybe there's data that we don't have or that USDA doesn't have, and if yeah. we could come up with that, we could make the program work better. Yeah. There, there are. I'd say a host of researchable questions around that issue that the university can help with. Yeah. So those are a few things uh, off the top of my head. Community development is a big deal. Yeah. And Extension obviously has has uh, strong resources in community development. Uh, youth programs, you know, you get in, in rural Arkansas, uh, a lot of our counties have lost population uh, for several years now. Yes. And that has really negative effects on communities, on on healthcare access, on mm-hmm. educational access, on on amenities that keep people in oh, the yeah. community. Yeah. You know, what can we do to address resources. those rural development resources in general, exactly? Uh, the tax base, all those things. Mm-hmm. So what can we do to improve rural development prospects for our for our communities in Arkansas? I think uh-huh. those are key challenges too. Uh, I think those are uh, good points. You know, you you brought this up uh, or kind of hinted at it. I believe the relationship between Farm Bureau and Extension is very strong. It yeah. has been for a long time. How do you see us working together in the future and maybe our membership helping you out in the role you're in now? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And I'll tell you, there there has and, and when I worked at American Farm Bureau, one thing that 
that that really was striking to me is uh, really in every state mm-hmm. there was a there was a, an important working relationship between Farm Bureau and Extension yeah. and and. Uh, uh, and, not, and not just Farm Bureau, other farm groups. What's unique about Farm Bureau, and you know this, and, and most of the people listening to this know this, Farm Bureau is kind of unique in being a general farm organization. Mm-hmm. A lot of farm organizations have a commodity focus or an yeah. issue focus. Farm Bureau very specific, is a specific. very general organization, and I would say not just a general farm organization, but really a general uh, rural life organization Absolutely. in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so... Uh, <laughs> the, the the great thing and the frustrating thing for Farm Bureau sometimes is that every point of view is represented in your organization, oh, yeah, right? And yeah. so Farm Bureau is really in a good position to appreciate good objective information. Yes. Right? Because that helps you that helps you as a membership organization sort of sort through these policy issues yeah. internally. And so Farm Bureau's in a real uh has a really good perspective on on the importance of, of, of good, objective, unbiased mm-hmm. information, even within your own organization. Yeah. And so uh, the way that helps us in extension is that uh, that organization is a great organization to surface issues. Mm-hmm. Here, here are the problems that, that our membership see, and here are the things that we need answered so that we can formulate a sensible response to this. So I talked about the information flowing from the stakeholders to the university to change yes. what the university is doing. You know, a group like Farm Bureau can help tremendously with that because it's 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 your grassroots uh, connections that surface those issues and yeah. that can help us define those problems. And so that I think is 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 it's hard for me to overstate the importance of that role. Yeah. That's invaluable to us. Now, in terms of us sending information back, obviously you guys are great at putting on meetings and mm-hmm. and, and 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 organizing events and and and. Uh, getting people motivated to participate in programs, that's all helpful. But to me, the main thing is that issue of just kind of being the the, the ear to the ground that knows what's going on yeah. and can say, here's a problem, here's what we need to know, can you help us? Yeah, you know, that process, if you look at it, is almost staggering to how it is. an idea from, let's just say, Arkansas County uh, or your home community or home county to get all the way to the state level. Yeah. And then potentially sometimes you see it come to up to the national general session, you know, at their right. convention. And that, that to me is, I don't know, I'm kind of a logistically minded person when a plan comes together and so many hurdles it has to get through to get there is kind of a, maybe it's because I'm an economist and so many pieces yeah. kind of have to come together to get stuff right. And also you gave a good point of the general concept of all of agriculture represented here at Farm Bureau. And you would think that, you know, some of these commodity representatives would butt heads in different ways but seeing them work together has been really something really cool to see too here at farm bureau yeah but um you know we're coming towards the end of our segment here and we always like to end with a a fun question okay if you will and so i know you're an avid fisherman we've talked about that quite a bit so right here right now i need you to tell me where all your honey holes are Just kidding, just kidding. I, I, I'm enough of an outdoorsman to know that people don't do that. But uh, seriously, so trout and small smallmouth bass, yeah. right? Kind yeah. of your main thing. That's my wheelhouse. What's your go-to rig setup lure for both? Not you know, not a catch-all, but one for trout 
and one for smallmouth. You can only pick one for each one. Which one? Would oh wow! Start with trout. okay. That's tough. Well, I'll start with smallmouth because that's easier. So, yeah. are you fly fishing? If, or no, you, I'm not. Okay. I, I'll tell you. Let me state from the beginning. I'm not a fly fisherman. So okay. all the fly fishermen out there are right now <laughs> thinking, well, he's not a real fisherman. Then, yeah. all right, you just listen, lost credit now. If I can't buy it at Walmart, I don't need to fish with it. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm pretty low tech, uh, low cost. That's the economist, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I'm talking bait casting stuff. So yeah. smallmouth. Let's say smallmouth in the spring when the smallmouth mm-hmm. really start to run. Very simple. Uh, just a lead head, uh, a, a jig head. Yeah. Uh, with a uh, with an artificial curly tail grub, probably a chartreuse or a yeah. motor oil color. Yeah. Uh, if the water's a little cloudy, maybe something a little brighter than that, a little yeah. brighter yellow. You like that better than crawfish? Uh, yeah, I do. Okay. I do. Uh, I think you'll catch probably fewer fish, but better fish. Okay. Hmm. Now, and if you're not satisfied with that and it's just a little too slow, yeah. tie on a crawfish or tie on a rooster tail, something with a spinner on it, a yeah. beetle spin or a rooster tail, and you'll start catching a lot of pan fish that mm-hmm. uh, you'll just want to throw back, but at least you'll be catching something, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But the grubs are going to, the old curly tail grubs are going to catch a lot of small Okay, mouth. let me write this down. Now, mm-hmm. for trout... I got to give you two answers on trout. Okay. And now, and I'll tell you where I'll tell you where I fish. I, Be careful. A lot of people. Listen, man, we got a big audience here. Go to Calico Rock. Yeah. Rent a boat at one of the boat docks uh-huh. there, and either go upriver yeah. to City Bluff and float along City Bluff, mm-hmm. or go downriver toward Mount Olive. Okay. Yeah. I think Mount Olive is the best place on the river because it gets the least pressure of anywhere on that river. Ooh. Yeah, that's you. You heard it here first. Yeah, now, you <laughs> got to You got to either motor up from Sillamore or motor down from Calico. Yep, but you get yep. the Mount Olive, and if the water's clear and not too high, uh, a Rapala countdown. Ooh, fishing yeah, close to the choice. bottom. You know, seven ounce, five ounce. If the water's really low, yeah. Black and silver usually does well, but uh, throw two or three and see what they're hitting on. Awesome. If the water's high, a little murky. Yeah. You got to drift. Yeah, you get an yeah. inline spinner, put a hook on it, uh, put a couple of weights about 18 inches above that, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, uh, drag mm-hmm. some kind of live bait, crawfish tails, shrimp, earthworms. Yeah. And that's, you know, drag the gravel bars, float the gravel bars. You're getting me excited. Drift. <laughs> You're going to take me. <laughs> we'll go. Hey, uh, anytime. I'm, I'm ready for that anytime. Yeah, I'll, I'll rub that in Jake's face, too, one of these days. <laughs> Well, Dr. Anderson, Anderson, this was a little, a lot of fun. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to sit down with uh, us today, and good luck in your new role. Thank you, and thanks for having me. Well, that wraps up the special edition of the Arkansas AdCast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this deep dive episode. We'll continue bringing our guests to take a closer look at topics important to our members. Remember, you can catch new weekly episodes of the Arkansas AdCast every Thursday, find video episodes on Facebook and YouTube, listen to the audio version where you listen to podcasts, Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review when you have a few extra minutes. The Arkansas AgCast is brought to you by the Arkansas Farm Bureau. I'm John McMinn, and we'll see you next time.